Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sting Second Sports Podcast. Thank you to WAGS uh, for filling in for me whilst I was on an airplane to Hawaii. Uh, he filled in admirably, gave you the lowdown on the big win versus Temple and no rest for the weary, ladies and gentlemen. This episode is the Cincinnati preview, the mids play Cincinnati on Saturday, WAGS, EK, and Keenan Reynolds will bring you more of the details on that during the Navy football podcast this week. We're here to give you a little bit of a nibble uh, and then talk about everything else happening with Naval Academy Sports. And we're also super happy to be joined this week by Mike Heary, the other voice of Naval Academy basketball. He, he's always with Pete Medhurst announcing the games uh, for the uh, Navy Basketball Network and WNAV. He's going to join us for his season preview of Navy Basketball. And then we're also very happy to be joined by Ed Bilderback. He's going to talk to us a little bit about Laxfish, which is a great charity raising money for cancer. And he has kind of a famous name at Navy. Uh, if you've ever been on the blue side, you'll see the Bilderback name on the Lacrosse Hall of Fame. But I digress. Wags, let's get right into it. Navy and Cincinnati meet for the sixth time overall and for the fourth and final time in the regular season as American Athletic Conference foes when they square off on Saturday afternoon at Nippert Stadium. Uh, Cincinnati has won an incredible 30 consecutive home games. It's the second longest active streak in the country behind Clemson. They've won 38 straight down in Death Valley. Uh, Their last loss at home which I'm amazed at, uh, was in November of 2017. They lost at Temple, um, speaking of bad football teams. So, Wags, you know, I'll let you get into it, uh, and then I'd like to bring in Chris Cervello for a little bit of his evaluation. Um, Yeah, this is a tough game. This is also a Cincinnati team that has a lot going for it. They've got an easy schedule coming in if you're a Cincinnati fan. And when the college football playoff rankings came out last night, There were two teams from the American Athletic Conference in the top 25. Surprisingly, after Cincy played in the Final Four last year, neither of those teams was the Bearcats. Uh, Tulane is at 19, and UCF, who just beat Cincinnati in their last game, is at 25. So, Wags, what's your evaluation? Probably a pretty hungry team who still has American Athletic Conference championship football uh, on their brain, and the first step for them is to beat Navy, right? I'll let Chris talk about the spread, but I can tell you that the uh, prognosticators out there do not give Navy a chance. Uh, Xavier Arline will be making his uh, first start of the season, replacing Ty Lavatai. We talked to Xavier on the Zoom presser Tuesday, and he uh, expressed confidence. He's ready to show what he can do. Uh, He does bring a different element to the option. He's got a perimeter running ability, which really was not Ty's strength so maybe that changes things uh coach Niamatololo did say that Navy would run more triple option plays with x under center um I was out in Cincinnati 
the last time these two teams played at Nippert Stadium, and it was ugly, John. It was 2018 season, which was not a very successful season. And this that game was the low point. Cincinnati got after Navy 42 to nothing. I mean, that was a day. I mean, I was up in the press box, and Chuck Gladchuck was sitting next to me, and we just looked at one another like, wow. Navy could not do anything right on either side of the ball, and it was just an ugly loss. So hopefully no repeat of that scenario. Um, you know, people say Cincinnati's fallen off. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's you can fall off when you were in the college football playoff and you sent about a dozen players to the NFL, nine of whom were drafted. I mean, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, Alec Pierce, the wide receiver, uh, Jerome Ford, the standout tailback, and they had big-time talent last year, but they're still loaded. And uh, transfer portal, once again, Ben Bryant, he was Desmond Ritter's backup for two years in Cincinnati. He knew he wasn't going to play last season, so he transferred to Eastern Michigan and became the starter and had a great season. And then, oh, Desmond's going to the NFL. I'll go back to Cincinnati, and now he's back as a starter. So you just, Cincinnati goes and gets a guy who knows their system intimately and just plug and play. And he's having a great season. He's thrown for 2,000 plus yards, 16 touchdowns. And, you know, Alec Pierce is flying his trade with the Colts now, but they've replaced him very adequately with two other receivers. Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott are averaging, or they have totaled well over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns between them. And then they still have a very effective running game. Charles McClellan and Corey Kiner, between them, have almost 1,000 yards. This team is balanced, John. They are very, very good with balancing, running, and passing. Uh, it's going to be difficult. Then we don't even need to talk about the defense. I, I left out Ahmad Sauce Gardner, who's in contention for Rookie of the Year with the New York Jets. Um, he, he was one of many draft picks on the defensive side of the ball, but Cincinnati, once again, ranks very highly across the board in defensive statistics. It's going to be a tough ask. Luke Fickle, the coach at Cincinnati, has built a powerhouse program. Yeah, Chris, so the fighting Luke Fickles, and I'm a big fan of this program. Um, I, I have never minded what Cincinnati does. And again, they're sitting here at 6-2. and two. They've just lost to UCF, so it puts them behind Tulane and UCF, obviously, in the standings and in the college football playoff rankings as well. But here they are. They've got Navy at home and then East Carolina at home. Again, they haven't lost a home game since 2017. Then they have to go to Temple. We know what Temple is. No offense, Colin Schofield or the crew. Um, and then they finish with Tulane. So, Chris, if I'm Cincinnati, I view this as the stepping stone to winning out beating Tulane, getting in the American Athletic Conference championship game, exact some revenge, and you're going to a good bowl, what, what do you think is going to happen? Because the odds makers certainly don't give us a chance. No, they don't give us much of a chance at all. I mean, I think what we have going for us is, is I mean, we're a completely different team this week than we were last week. And certainly, uh, you know, the, the beginning of the season with uh, Xavier Arline as our quarterback with probably a dedicated triple option game plan. I think that bodes well for us, right? I mean, against a team like like Cincinnati. I mean, if we win, I'll give you the, from my standpoint, if we win, if there's a way to win, Xavier Arline has the game of his life, has a Malcolm Perry, um, Keenan Reynolds-like 
like game and the defense holds them and we win like 24 to 21, similar to the score that they lost to UCF last week. If um, Cincinnati gets rolling and, you know, this is a high scoring game, it probably looks more like the 42 to nothing game that Wags referenced in 2018. So Navy has to play the best ball they have on all three sides, Um, you you know, offense, defense and special teams. If they play anything less than that, um, Cincinnati runs away with it. Yeah. And and I'm hoping that we see what happened last year. Um, when the number two ranked Bearcats had probably the toughest time of any of their opponents until they lost to Alabama in the semifinal. They lost to Alabama 27-6, but we played them tough to 27-20. It was a very, very good performance. So, Wags, I'll give you the final word here. Probably very well-attended Zoom calls this week. Xavier Arline, Coach Niamat. Um, Summarize if you can, and, and again, point to your preview um, on since on the Cincinnati game that's going to be out in the Capitol this week, you know what what for you was the focus for them in in turning around from losing their starting quarterback, turning around from a very emotional win, and then facing probably one of the hungriest teams in the conference. How, how did they sound on Zoom? And then what do you expect to see? Well, obviously the big talking point was Xavier. Um, the change of quarterback this is huge, and middle of you know, of a season you're. You're going to your backup quarterback, and the bottom line is he was the backup. Now he is a experienced backup who started many games. Remember that he is the only Navy quarterback in a century to start the Army-Navy game at Mikey Stadium in West Point, and uh, he played fairly well in that game. He had the one long run that, God darn, if he had finished and scored a touchdown there, that game may have gone the other way. If you'll remember, he got tackled at like the two or three yard line, and Navy could not punch the ball in, and that was a huge turning point in that very close game. But Xavier's a confident guy. I mean, he's a two-sport athlete who's enjoyed success in lacrosse and football. So, you know, they've got to tailor the offense, and that's what Coach Nehemiah talked about, tailoring the offense to suit his strengths. Uh, One of the things that is absolutely critical, and frankly, Xavier has not shown this ability yet, is passing. You have got to throw the ball effectively to back – teams off the line of scrimmage or else they're going to put 11 men in the box and you're not going to be able to run the ball. So Xavier is going to have to show that he can throw the ball effectively uh, in the games that he's played so far. He has not. So uh, he, I'm sure he's been working on his throwing. Of course he has for the last few years. Um, we, and it should be noted that he did not participate in spring practice last year because this year, because he played lacrosse. Um, so that was valuable time lost, but uh, we're pretty far into the season. He's been with the team since August training camp. He should be up to speed and ready to go. I'm very eager to see what the offense looks like with Xavier at the helm. And I will add this other information, John, uh, we got into talking about backups and I, I think I've mentioned on this pod before that Teddy Gleaton is a freshman who looks very good. He has caught my attention while I'm watching the scout team go against the starting defense, Teddy Gleaton is big, strong, fast, and athletic. He's from North Point High School in Waldorf, Maryland, down near Chris's old stopping ground, Southern Maryland. I'm sure Chris's Leonardtown teams beat up on, well, North Point didn't even exist back then. It didn't, no, yeah. <laughs> that, that school's but, brand new. But <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, I guess uh, uh, there was some uh, Westlake or somebody. but. Um, 
Yeah, he's a local kid, Teddy Gleaton. Uh, he is now third on the depth chart, John. Well, a lot to look forward to. Um, I, I know that I'm looking forward to, you know, watching on TV and, and hoping for a good performance. And you just have to root for uh, for Xavier and, and the rest of the guys to finish this year strong. I mean, I watch their social media posts. They're all in. They're, they're in it for each other. And it's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. Chris, you know, for you, what kind of, you know, I'll give you the very last word on this preview you know, what, what are you looking for? What's what's a successful end of the season? And what's a successful result Saturday? Other than a win, obviously. This team has nothing to lose at this point, right? I mean, they, they don't have their starting quarterback. They are, I won't say they're underperforming, but I mean, you know, we, we had all hoped that they would be playing better. So they have, they have nothing to lose. So I, I think, I hope that Coach Ken throws everything he has at the Bearcats. As Wags was talking about, um, you know, Xavier throwing the ball. I hope we see some halfback passes. I hope we, I mean, I want to see it all um, against Cincinnati and Notre Dame um, be, because, I mean, everybody expects us to lose. So what if we win? I mean, that, that's kind of where I am. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is your Cincinnati preview. Wags, EK, and Keenan are going to bring you more of those details throughout the week. Um, on the Navy football podcast. And then again, follow us on Saturday for your pithy comments and tweets about what's going on. Hey, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to have our interviews. We're talking to Mike Heary and Eddie Bilderback. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. We are going to hear from Mike Heary in the next segment. A great reminder that basketball season is just days away as Navy opens up their season this week down at William & Mary. Be sure to get your basketball season tickets. Both men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Join them at Alumni Hall all season long as the mids look to build on their exciting 2022 campaign. Call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com to get those season tickets. Tickets. And while you're on NavySports.com, be sure to get your Veterans Classic tickets. Mike talks about how special that Veterans Classic is, both for the Naval Academy community, but also for college basketball writ large. Navy brings in three great teams this year. They bring in a top-ranked Houston team. They bring in the Princeton Tigers, and they bring in St. Joseph's, led by former Navy head coach Billy Lang. The action begins at 6 p.m. with Houston taking on St. Joe's and then is followed by Navy taking on Princeton at 8.30 p.m. So again, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com to get those tickets today. And we saved the best announcement for last. The Kid Shipman Club is the official kids club of Navy Athletics. For just $20, your membership includes exclusive gifts, free tickets to Navy sporting events, a birthday card from Bill the Goat, and more. To register, visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Um, Again, looking forward to watching a big Navy win against Cincinnati over the weekend. I know Mike Keery is going to be doing that other than him studying uh, the William & Mary basketball squad who the Navy basketball team faces off against on Monday, November 7th. Mike is back as the color commentator alongside Pete Medhurst, uh, you know, bringing you the action for home games and the occasional road game. Um, you know, every once in a while, Mike can be convinced to go down to Charlottesville to, uh, to do a game. Don't know if you're going to Williamsburg. Mike, number one, thank you for joining the podcast. And number two, 
are you going to make the road trip down to Williamsburg to, uh, to broadcast the season, uh, the season <laughs> opener? Yeah, John, thanks for having me again. Uh, excited to be on for another season. Uh, I am not making the trip down to Williamsburg for William and Mary. I got to, you know, get focused for the veterans classic. So Mike, we talked to coach the last week. He gave the preview. He kind of mentioned some names, um, you know, that, that we might see a little bit more of this year, like, uh, Lysander Renstrom. He mentioned a couple of freshmen, Christian Jones, he said had been making some, some strides, um, you know, for you after losing so much and Wags asked, uh, coach DeCellis about losing so much impactful leadership from last year's team, who are you looking to, to step in this year? Is it going to be a Patrick Dorsey as a senior, uh, coach DeCellis also mentioned Mac McDonald. Um, you know, a local product from Richmond who got a little bit of PT last year, uh, but kind of hinted at him getting a little bit more this year. What kind of a you know, mix of, of experience and newness or, or do you think we're going to see this year? Yeah, John, I think um, I, I, I snuck over and caught out a, a half of uh, their scrimmage yesterday against Delaware. Uh, and, you know, they looked pretty good from what I saw in one half of basketball. Um, it was a good scrimmage, competitive. And I, I think this team, they're not going to be as athletic inside. I think, you know, losing Richard Njoku, you, you, it's not so much any related to scoring. It's his athleticism, protecting the rim and rebounding and being able to block shots and just kind of attack at that level. And they don't have that kind of, that kind of piece, you know, inside. Daniel Deaver's a different type of player. Um, Nate Allison, different type of player. So, I think it's going to be even more perimeter oriented. I think to answer your question, I think Mac McDonald has a great chance. Um, I actually think Cam Summers, uh, Greg's younger brother, has a chance to do some things. He can shoot it from the perimeter better than uh, Greg can. And, uh, you know, but again, they're going to have to find their way. Um, this group uh, relied a lot on the senior leadership of Greg Summers and John Carter and Richard Njoku and, you know, those guys were the primary scorers, primary, the ball was in their hands, particularly John and, and, and Greg. And so moving from sort of being a Robin to those guys, Batman, and then be, having to become Batman, it sometimes takes some time. I do, from the looks of things, Tyler Nelson, his body and every the way he's moving, he looks great. And, uh, you know, I just think this team is going to be a little slow and maybe getting going, but ultimately I think they got some nice pieces. Yeah, you tipped who I think is going to be the most impactful player this year, and that is Tyler Nelson. I think that he just has the look about him. I was able to talk to him a bunch during the summer. He was doing uh, Coach DeCellis' basketball camps. He's actually coaching up young Carter Schofield, uh, so I'd watch it, Mike. His uh, his jumper is getting very Mike Heary-like. So before <laughs> I let, uh, let uh, Wags start asking us some questions, really quick, who goes to the gym more, you or Nate Allison? <laughs> Nate Allison may have the least amount of body fat of any Navy basketball player in the history of Navy basketball. That's saying a lot because I played with one who should have played middle linebacker at Florida State and Hassan Booker. Instead, he played power forward. So, yeah, no, I mean, Nate Allison is all-time spring break team. Uh, so, I, I mean, it's, it's impressive. I, I, I can't get over it. And actually, to that point, though, on a, on a more serious note, like Daniel Deaver has really, I kind of, kind of leaned out a little bit more. He's he's more, uh, more muscle, stronger. Um, so yeah, there. Mac McDonald, who you mentioned, who I think can shoot it really well. You know, he's put on some muscle. So 
the look of the team is, is nice to see the young guys, you know, and this happens every year um, with the program. The young guys tend to evolve into getting bigger, stronger, et cetera. Yeah, we all know the last name McDonald usually comes with good shooting as well. Wags, go ahead. <laughs> well, you mentioned Daniel Deaver, and that's what I was going to start with. I mean, you need a post presence. You need to be able to throw the ball inside and have someone who can, you know, make a post move and, and score the ball. And Daniel Deaver is a very good passer, and so that would give you some inside-outside action. You know, if he can show that he is a legit post threat and you get a collapse, then he can kick it out and you got open jumpers. Um, do you see that in Deaver? Can he become a go-to guy? He's shown us at times. Um, sometimes he tries to make shots harder than they need to be. Um, I want to see him just turn and go straight hard to the basket and not try to do some of this jump that he does down low it's not the ymca uh over 40 league so what's your thoughts on deaver yeah bill i i i think that he looks much better physically as i just said but uh you know he's somebody that is adept at passing and, and we saw that over the time he's he's a good finisher around the rim not dunking the ball but just finding a way to score i think for him he just got to be more consistent in hitting those close in shots three four five foot shots it seems simple to think, you know, hey, big guys, make your make your close shots. But sometimes he's been challenged with doing that. I think if he can get off to a strong start and continue to get better over the season, that makes for a nice one-two combination inside out between Tyler Nelson and, and Daniel. Um, and I also think if they can get some, and maybe by committee early on, more of like consistent um, perimeter shooting. You know, last year, you know, I think Patrick Dorsey's a real key this year to be healthy again, hopefully, and be able to like really contribute, whether it's off the bench or as a starter. He's a senior who, you know, can really make some shots. And if they can get some more consistent perimeter shooting, that'll open things up even more for Deaver inside. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Ed told us when we spoke to him last week that uh, Patrick Dorsey and Austin Inge are both hobbled they're, they're not they're not healthy just yet they're not going to start the season I guess you didn't see well, them playing in the scrimmage right actually they both played um did they okay Austin Austin Inge started PJ Roach I think had a minor concussion and he was in some protocol so he didn't play in the scrimmage and he he brings a nice element to the team at the point guard spot as a one-two with Austin Inge but Dorsey played and he had some threes and yeah no so um, not sure on the exact timing of everything, but they all looked really good. Uh, PJ will be back, I'm sure, for either the opener or certainly the Veterans Classic. But uh, it seems like, from my perspective, but uh, yeah, all the guys, all the guys played. Well, so the other question I was going to ask you, I mean, that last year they had Richard and Joku and Deaver could come in, and they sometimes played them together to have two big men. But at least you had a legitimate big to give Richard a, a break. And you mentioned Nate Allison, I think. Maybe he's one of the guys that needs to step up and be a player because he's 6'7", 225. But in my view, you need another big man. They've got some guys. Tony Atkinson is a guy that's 6'8", 232. He's shown flashes at times. I haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, there's a couple big freshmen. Jamie Hernandez and Aiden Keogh are both 6'10". Well, I'm sorry. Hernandez is a sophomore. Keogh's a freshman. I mean, I'm wondering if when you were at the scrimmage, did you see any other bigs that maybe caught your notice and showed you that perhaps they could contribute this year. Yeah. They, they, um, Nate was the primary guy off the bench spelling, you know, Deaver. And I think though might go small, you know, early in the season while those younger guys get their legs under them a little bit and play, you could play Tyler Nelson, you know, at the four or whatever. It's a, it's an offense that obviously has a lot of movement to it. Um, 
So I think it'll be a bit by committee off the bench. You know, as long as Daniel doesn't get into foul trouble, he's going to play a fair amount of minutes. And, you know, from there, I think, you know, it's going to be Nate primarily and then those younger guys filling in and be more of a committee effort there, I think, um, inside. Chris, jump in. Yeah, Mike, I just have one quick one. Um, what, what are you looking for first third of the season? What do you need to see um, as a team to feel like this team is moving in the right direction? Yeah, it's a great question, Chris. I think, you know, this schedule is good mix of, you know, some big name games and then, you know, some of the regulars. They're, they're only at home for one game in the non-league in the month of December against Washington College, that annual game they play against the former Navy assistant Aaron Goodman. So I, I like to just see it's not so much about wins and losses. It's like progress of how the team is performing on both ends of the floor. They're going to probably have nights where they play well on offense and not defense and vice versa. It's the consistency of both ends of the floor, you know, competing, um, how they perform late in games is always huge because when you get into Patriot League play come January 2nd, I think is the first game, you know, you've really got to be able to finish games. And this is a team that, again, with many of the guys that touched the ball or had the ball in their hand in meaningful moments throughout last year, you got to have guys learn how to handle these situations. So it's um, records, not a huge thing, I think, as much as it's just how they're handling late game situations, final five minutes of the game, how are they finishing teams off when they get a lead? If they're behind, let's say to West Virginia, you know, do they compete and fight or they mail it in? You know, those are the types of things I usually look for in the non-league from a team. Well, Mike, I'll, uh, I'll let you get out of here by giving us a, a quick preview of what I think is just the, the, the foundational element of every year for Navy basketball. And that's the veterans classic. It's been, an unbelievable series. And, and this year, again, hats off to coach uh, the Chellis for bringing in a Houston team. That's kind of up there in the standings. <laughs> we get to play the Princeton Tigers on Friday, the 11th after opening at William and Mary. And then the other game is Houston versus St. Joe's. The Hawk will never die. Joe cook. Uh, what do you expect to see out of these games? Pretty entertaining, not to mention Billy Lang coming back to his, uh, former stomping grounds at Navy. I think there's some cool storylines. Yeah, it's great. Uh, John, this has been, you know, of all the things outside of Ed's recent success in Patriot League play, et cetera, this, what he's done to bring this event to Annapolis is tremendous. It's highlighted. We've had great NBA players that have come out of this. We've had teams that made it to the final four playing this thing over the years. Houston, could be a national champion when it's all said and done. I mean, if, if North Carolina didn't have all their guys coming back, uh, this team could have easily been preseason number one, I think. Um, and they've got McDonald's All-Americans coming in as freshmen, five-star guys. Uh, Billy Lang probably has the best suit he's ever had picked out for this game against Houston, all lined up, uh, ready to go. Um, I don't think <laughs> in the uh, COVID business casual for this one uh, uh now that jay wright's retired he's got to be looking at, at like getting like the clothing title and coaching <laughs> that's right that's right well and also <laughs> billy lang may have the only person that's ever been at alumni hall with better hair than mike Erie. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes his is not as strong on gel and more with flow steve lavin like um and then and then uh i really love the navy princeton matchup i mean people know princeton from the pete carrill days but Mitch Henderson, who played for Coach Carrill as the head coach there, he was the guard on the team that beat Toby Bailey and the boys from UCLA in 95, I believe it was. Um, they've got a kid who, and I, can, I have to learn how to pronounce his name between now and uh, Friday night, but Ivy League Player of the Year from England, 
Number 20, he is exceptional, and that's going to give Navy a lot of problems in their matchup. But it's great. Uh, the, the, the teams will get exposed to what it's like to be a midshipman and be at the academy for, you know, 36 hours or so. And it's just an awesome way to kick off the season. And if you're a ba college basketball fan in the area um, or not, it's just a cool way to just say, hey, college basketball starting up. Everyone loves college football, NFL football, but the basketball season's here and the veterans class, it really kind of kicks things off. Yeah, Mike, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, what better way to get everything started for your Notre Dame weekend than going into Alumni Hall, watching a preseason number three team in the country, Houston, watching Princeton, watching Billy Lang come back and really watching basketball return to the fold um, as we continue toward normalcy, emerging from all of the COVID crapola. Uh, at least now I can sit next to Mike Keery there on press row without a plexiglass uh, divider between us. Uh, but if anyone's going to give me COVID, Mike Keery, I want you to. Um, help me as we send you off and we welcome in our next guest. We are super happy to be joined by Ed Bilderback, uh, your teammate in the Flynn Cup this past year, representing the Naval Academy Golf Course. Let me ask you as you go out and Ed comes in, What's the best part of Ed's golf game? Is it his drive or his calves? I mean, because the calves are amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, knowing Eddie uh, the way I do, um, you know, he gets a little sensitive about the cab commentary. So I, I would say that, you know, everyone knows they're phenomenal. Um, but really the best part of his game is how he can make a birdie or a bogey from almost any position on a golf course at any moment in time. And that is what makes him so much fun to play with. It's always entertaining, and uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he can hit the ball country mile, too. I second that emotion, Mike. Hey, thank you again for joining the podcast. We look forward to having you on throughout uh, the basketball season to reprise your role as our expert on the ground, letting us know how everything's going in the Patriot League. Again, please buy tickets to the Veterans Classic. Please come out and support Navy basketball. Mike Heary, thank you so much for joining the pod. Yes, sir, John. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. So, Ed Bilderback, welcome to the podcast. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know the Bilderback name, uh, the Bilderback name is adorned on the blue side of the, uh, of the Navy Marine Corps Stadium. The Willis Bilderback Hall of Fame is named after Ed Bilderback's grandfather. But you do so much more for the local area. You're a local broadneck product. Um, you have supported the Naval Academy golf course for so long, and you're here on the podcast to tell us about a really awesome cause that you're involved in. Number one, welcome aboard and introduce yourself uh, to the pod listeners. Yeah, thank you so much. And quite the introduction there from uh, Mike Keery, who, who literally hits it a country mile and can make birdies from the middle of the fairway, which I cannot do. Uh, so thank you for that, Mike. So yeah, Ed Bilderback, yeah, I'm a, I was a Broadneck graduate back in the day, class in 1990. Um, I am, yeah, most well known for being the grandson of Willis P. Bilderback, uh, also known as Bildy, the lacrosse coach at the Naval Academy from 1959 to 1972, um, sort of made his mark, left his mark on the Naval Academy and the lacrosse world in general at that time. The uh, 60s became known as the decade of dominance led by Jimmy Lewis and uh, our own Carl Tamalevich, who we uh, unfortunately recently lost, but uh, just two of his star players that he had back in that time. And um, if you look back at his record in that time, they won seven, seven straight national championships, nine in total. But that, that era in the 60s was really unquestionably uh, the best decade of, 
a lacrosse team that there ever was. They've been honored many times, many Hall of Famers um, from from those teams. Uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough uh, to receive Hall of Fame um, awards from my grandfather for both Anne Arundel County and the Intercollegiate Men's Lacrosse Association inaugural um, Hall of Fame, of which uh, great news is Richie Mead is going to be inducted into that this year, which uh, another amazing Navy lacrosse coach. Love Richie Mead. Wags is the uh, resident historian, and I know that he's going to ask you a couple of questions about your family legacy and what you've done to advance sports. You're, you're the father of an athlete at Broadneck. You have done so much for local lacrosse players, even letting local high schoolers shoot on you between the pipes. Here you are in your in your 50th year, um, you know, on this planet and you're still getting it, getting it done. But uh, I, I would like to get right into Laxfish. If you could just explain to the to the pod listeners that cause and, and how long you've been doing it. And what makes it so special? Where does this money go? Yeah, so it is it is a. Our team is Laxfish, and we are part of the, the bigger charity, which is Fish for a Cure. Uh, the tournament will be taking place this Saturday, uh, and then the after party Saturday night, which is an amazing event. So um, I'd have to pull the details on how long Fish for a Cure has been going on, but it has grown so much. Uh, I know our team personally raised uh, hundred over $105,000 last year just for Laxfish. We broke the... Uh, fundraising record last year so far this year we're at about $65,000 and hope to keep pushing that through and pass that uh, 100,000 mark again this year yeah but the the charity itself uh, sponsors the cancer survivor program at Anne Arundel Medical Center and the nurse navigation program and they're both just phenomenal parts of our community and supporting um, anyone who is struggling with that cancer journey and the nurse navigation program really starts from the moment they hear the word cancer. The moment they get that diagnosis can be very scary, can be very confusing. And the nurse navigation program really walks, walks those people uh, through, you know, what to expect, what to do, um, just really gives them all the information and the tools to make that process as you know, painless as it can be. And it's not painless. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many different things that you go through. Uh, personally been affected. My wife, um, you know, had to go through radiation there for cancer and she's a survivor. So um, for all our guys on the Lax Fish team, we have, gosh, about 17 of us now. We've all been touched in some way. And that's why we're all just so passionate about it. I, one of our guys has lost both of his parents to cancer uh, numerous guys, our, our wives have struggled. We have uh, guys who have had it themselves and recovered. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, it, it's a huge deal for all of us. And, you know, the fishing, the fishing is the fishing. We go out there, we have a good time. But um, the, the big thing for us is the charity. It's raising the money. And uh, it, it also, the, the charity part, which you win an award for that and you win an award for the biggest fish. And so we're always fighting for the, uh, it's called the Paul Detter Captain's Challenge. And Paul was uh, another member, great member of this community we lost a few years ago. Uh, I was fortunate enough to coach lacrosse alongside Paul. So equally important, you know, to me uh, is, is to honor him in that way as well. My wife uh, received radiation at Anne Arundel Medical Center as well. 
Um, Bildi and I have traveled this road together, and I, I can't thank him enough for what he's done. Uh, Wags, over to you. Well, yeah, the whole Fish for a Cure is a great uh, charity. Uh, I know Greg Lilly, former St. Mary's High and Johns Hopkins, the cross standout, was really at the forefront of founding this movement. Um, I've participated in Fish for the Cure in the past. We didn't catch any fish, but we caught a buzz um, out on the Chesapeake Bay. Um, Skirt somewhere. <laughs> well, you had med, you mentioned receiving a Hall of Fame honor. I was there I'm with the Anaheim County Sports Hall of Fame, and you accepted on behalf of Bildy. Uh, I'm curious, you know, his name is still revered. His uh, former players still talk about him and keep his name alive. Um, have you? I know you have had opportunity to meet a lot of the great former Navy players who played for your father. How uh, grandfather? How how cool is that for you? You know, three generations to wave to have, have uh, you know, get to be part of that legacy. Uh, yeah, it's amazing, uh, and I have I've had a chance to to meet and spend time with a lot of them. Obviously, uh, Carl Tanalevich was one that I was definitely closest to because Carl lived here and was so involved with the program. And, and Carl was uh, a great friend to the quarterback family. My grandfather, beyond his playing, uh, when when he got on in age and was struggling for. His life, Carl was by the entire way. So, had the opportunity to play golf with Carl and have a lot of conversations with him. And it's uh, it's it's one of the great thrills of my life. Not only to to be able to just carry this last name and to see the reactions on on those guys' faces when they know they're talking to um, you know a, a builder back and and to you know the grandson of the great uh, Willis P. Builderback. Um, but to hear the stories, you know, when they did the Hall of Fame um, commemorative at the Naval Academy, so many of his players came back. Uh, so many of them were involved in, you know, raising a lot of money to put that thing together. I just was actually took a friend through there last weekend at the Navy football game, and he was just blown away by it. He was he was asking, do they have this for all the sports? And, and you know. I can't speak to many of them, but I know that the Lacrosse Hall of Fame there is is really second to none. It's an amazing thing they did, but um, you know, it's it, it is just so great. I was actually speaking with Dino Matisich the other day, and and you know, he didn't play for my grandfather. You know, he was a Maryland standout, and you know, went on to do great things in the athletic field. And he was telling me that he was set to come to the Naval Academy, which I never knew, um, and got sent to West Point for his physical fitness test. And turned out that uh, they really found out that he was going to the Naval Academy. So put him through the ringer there to, to get him to pass. Um, and uh, it ended up that he, he failed that test for being colorblind. So they had him take another test down at the Naval Academy, drove down, got here at 745 in the morning from Long Island, took the test at 8. By 805, he was back on the road to Long Island and turned out blue, uh, red, green, I think it was, uh, colorblind and was unable to go to the Naval Academy. But I've, I've had tons of stories like that, just not only from um, guys that played for him, but other guys that were impacted for him. Eddie Mullen was was supposed to come to Navy, but, you know, for whatever reason, decided he wanted to be a Terp and it seemed to work out pretty well for him. So, uh, yeah, just it, it, it's always uh, I, my grandfather's been gone since 1990. I was very close to him. He lived here with us in our home uh, at the time. And uh, so whenever I have a chance to talk to people and hear the stories, it, it really brings back that connection to my grandfather. And it's it, it's as good as it gets. It's as good as it gets for me. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you go out, just Google fish for a cure. Um, it'll take you to a Luminous Health and Anne Arundel, Anne Arundel Medical Center uh, page where you can make a donation. You can even put um, a specific name of a team on your uh, donation. And we would encourage you to put Laxfish, L-A-X, fish for Eddie's team. Eddie, thank you so much for what you've done in supporting Richie Mead, supporting Naval Academy Athletics, um, supporting the likes of, of Carl Tamulevich, of Bill Matan, two, two heroes of Naval Academy golf we've lost in the past 12 to 24 months. Thank you for all of that. And thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you, John. And also thank, uh, I want to thank Sing Second for your guys' sponsorship of the team. That's awesome. And uh, for allowing me to come on here and talk about it a little bit. And not only that one, but another great charity that goes on this week that you guys are also sponsoring is the Touchdown Club Golf Tournament. So you guys have been a sponsor of both of those. So uh, thank you so much for both of those. I really appreciate you guys. We wouldn't miss it. And thank you for your support as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ed Bilderback. Such a great episode here with Mike Keery and Ed Bilderback. We're going to go to break when we come back. We'll give some BZs and tell you what lies ahead for men's soccer. This is Sing Second Sports. This podcast and all of our efforts to support it are not possible without the support of our sponsor. First and foremost, thank you to Scott Shooter, realtor and crew in Annapolis. Scott is the best of the best in Annapolis. If you need a home, if you're PCSing to or from Annapolis, Scott is your man. Thank you to Academy Securities and Navy football alum Phil McConkie. Speaking of football alums, thank you to Tom Lynch and New Day USA Mortgage. If you're a veteran in need of a mortgage, you should be using New Day USA, period. Thank you to Scott Melamed and ProMD Health. Do you have crow's feet? Has your skin aged because of the sun exposure? ProMD Health in Annapolis has you covered. And thank you so much to Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. You need to check out the best burger in Annapolis. If you'd like just a great glass of wine before you head out on the town, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar on Main Street in Annapolis are your places to hit. And now back to the pot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Great interviews today. Great podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Let's talk about the week ahead. First of all, Bill Wagner, huge win for men's soccer. Joe Miller said it well. That American team has been a bugaboo for uh, Navy men's soccer for years and years. And uh, Navy put together a good performance. They got what Chris Cervello and I called a favorable call in the box to give, uh, you know, our basically our most reliable score this season, David Jackson, a chance to put away the PK, put away the PK he did, and they go on to the Patriot League quarterfinals. They will host on Saturday night. Actually, Chris Cervello, let's throw it over to you first. How did you feel about that result? I think it was a deserved result and really beating a team that had been in your side for many, many years. I think that's a really good first step. Yeah, it was a nice win for for those guys. Um, I, I am still, I guess, a little disappointed that we're only able to, you know, score one and two goals a game. I was really hopeful that we were going to be able to put some of those set pieces uh, in the back of the net. Was really happy that the defense was able to uh, hold. Uh, with about two minutes left, um, American had a barrage of shots. 
and uh, some really good defense by uh, the fullbacks and by the keeper to keep those balls out of the net. So nice to be an American uh, who knocked us out of the tournament last year um, and who we've struggled against, as you mentioned. And uh, now, now we go on to the tournament. It is interesting to see. I mean, if we can win on Saturday, we head up to West Point. Would love, just like I said last week with uh, volleyball, would love the opportunity for men's soccer to uh, you know exact some revenge uh, on uh, on West Point. Yeah, I think that would be nice. And to be very clear, they uh, maybe will now host number five seed Lafayette uh, 7 p.m. on Saturday, November 5th. So action-packed day on the yard, y'all. Uh, you can watch uh, Navy Rugby win the star against Army, hang around, grab a meal, and then see uh, and then see men's soccer play a playoff game. We'll see what happens. But Navy ends the regular season at 5-4 and 8 overall, 3-1 and 5 in the league. Um, and hats off to uh, Coach OD and men's soccer for getting to the, uh, to the postseason. Wags, your thoughts on that result? Well, I saw the David Jackson penalty kick, and he was very nicely placed into the left corner, eluding the uh, outstretched diving goalie. And then he's obviously been watching his Premier League and MLS uh, highlights because the uh, the knees, uh, yeah, that was pretty sweet little celebration going down on the knees with the slide. I like that. Um, tell me a little more about the takedown in the box. Um, you're saying, because uh, uh, Joe Miller said, We'll, we'll see that for a replay, and then they don't show the replay. Um, I was not able to see the live. Uh, I was busy last night. Was not able to watch live. Tell me more about the takedown that led to the penalty kick. I mean, it was, it was a nice through ball into the box. And, and again, Joe Miller said it very well later in the game where he was like, hey, after that call, Navy needs to be concerned about every single defensive challenge in their box because the makeup call was on its way. And luckily for them, the makeup call never came, but you know, it was just kind of a, a really slick uh, through ball into the box, um, you know, kind of a one-on-one -on -one situation and the defender, uh, you know, took the, uh, took Navy down, but it was, I don't know, Chris, I, I, I don't want to call it soft, but it, it definitely was not a call that I would expect to have been made. Um, but to, to the credit of the, uh, of the referee, he pointed right to the spot. There was no delay. Yeah, I mean, it was, I would say, having watched a lot of soccer, um, probably a 50-50 call there in the box. I mean, and he let him play up until that point. Um, so, I mean, that, I think that's what we we thought it was favorable. I mean, I would have been irate if, if the call had gone the other way on us, you, you know, if that had been in our, our box and it resulted in a penalty kick a, a, against us. But uh, look, I mean, like, like you said, we, we got the opportunity. Uh, he, he buried it in the back of the net and uh, we never looked back. Uh, it, it was a nice win. <laughs> yeah. As uh, Ben Affleck says in Goodwill Hunting, it was suspect. Um, yeah, it, it was not necessarily the cleanest of calls. Well, that was Noah Ward who got taken down in the box. And I noticed that Pierce Holbrook only had to make two saves. So obviously, uh, American didn't put a lot of shots on target. One other thing I noted, John, when I talked to OD in the uh, preview the, prior to the season, Jalen Grant wasn't starting outset, but I see Jalen Grant has made his presence known. I knew when I saw the size of him and his talent, it would not be long before he was uh, anchoring the back line. Yeah, he logged important minutes yesterday um, and, and was an impactful member of that back line. And like Chris said, 
the last couple of minutes were fast and furious. It was getting chippy a little bit in the second half, but withstanding that barrage in the last two minutes certainly made it exciting, more exciting than we would have liked. Speaking of excitement, ladies and gentlemen, another star is on the line on Saturday. Men's rugby will battle Army for the star at noon at Greenberry Point. Go out there and check that out. Men's and women's swimming and diving will be on the road at Bucknell. They take on the Bison, American, and Lafayette in the pool. Good luck to them this weekend. And volleyball has a couple of matches over the weekend. Uh, They get uh, Lehigh on Friday night, Lafayette on Saturday. That wraps up their regular season, and we'll know where they will be in the Patriot League tournament as well. And then also it's senior day for water polo on Saturday. Go on out to the Scott Natatorium and enjoy a uh, water polo match. They take on Bucknell at 3 p.m. And then Fordham, speaking of teams that have been a thorn in Navy's side at 8 p.m. And then Sunday, the Fighting Carry Colats are back on the mat. Wrestling opens with the Clarion Open on Sunday. Good luck to them. And then water polo finishes off their regular season at Hopkins Sunday night. Shout out to our friend Jen Baker at Hopkins, the only time all year that we root against them. Um, Some last BZs before we go out. Shout out to Emily Boots Boutine. She was named the uh, Naval Academy Athletic Association Athlete of the Week. She led Navy to the 2022 Patriot League Cross Country Championship title. She uh, finished as the individual medalist. Her first place finish combined with eight additional Navy runners in the top 20. Gave the mids 38 points to win the championship by 19 over second place Army. Way to go, Army. The Patriot League also announced the 2022 women's soccer all-academic team uh, earlier this week. Congrats to Navy's Chloe Dawson for being uh, noted as one of those 11 student-athletes. Way to go to her. Just like Chris Cervello, she's an honors robotics and control engineering major. Yuck. That doesn't sound fun at all. And also the Collegiate Sprint Football uh, League announced its weekly award winners and Navy's own Angelo Labby was tabbed the CSFL Defensive Player of the Week, helping lead the midshipmen to a 41-0 victory over Alderson Broadus. Wags, after the BZs, after the schedule ahead and a great soccer result, what else are you looking forward to this weekend other than hopefully a nice win against Cincinnati? Well, you mentioned wrestling open, and I, I wanted to uh, just mention to the Navy fans out there, Kerry Colette has started a new tradition, which is kind of cool. The They have what they call the blue-gold wrestle-offs. That's prior to the season beginning. That's how they determine who is the starter in each weight class. They have a wrestle-off. Well, he started holding those at Dahlgren Hall, which is cool. Anything in Dahlgren Hall is cool, don't you think, John? The coolest thing that I would do in Dahlgren Hall for years and years is order a dangerous amount of Muleheisen's. Uh, but yeah, like other than it being the scene of the greatest sandwich that was ever made, I love the idea of stuff happening in Dahlgren. I miss the ice rink. I miss the action in there. I think they should have brigades in there. Uh, when the boxing comes back around in February, I think it's a great venue. One, one last thing I'll mention is uh, we have a lot of talk on this pod and on the Navy football pod about the triple option and Navy struggles in recent seasons. And I encourage people to read the column I wrote, and I spend almost two weeks doing some investigation, even watch some film, John, um, about cut blocking. And I talked to Paul Johnson, the former Navy head coach, and we'll get into it with Eric and Keenan on the football pod, but 
the elimination of cut blocking almost entirely has really hurt Navy. And this season, the latest rule change was you cannot cut block, cut block on the perimeter. And that's preventing the Navy slots and receivers from getting safeties and linebackers on the ground. It really hurts. Early in the season, you could see Navy slot backs struggling mightily to block for their fellow slots. So it's an interesting read if uh, people want a little more inside baseball and why some of the triple option struggles the last few seasons are, are occurring. Well, I'll, I'll get Chris's take on this before we go out, but you know, it used to be, and I remember when I had a more objective viewpoint about Navy sports and Navy football, that Navy football was not a popular opponent. It would get chippy because uh, it was the only way that we could do business. And it sucked if you were the defender um, and it put you in a position where you could possibly be injured. And the NCAA made a conscious decision to eliminate that. I, I don't, I don't necessarily mind the rule change other than the standpoint that it hurts the way that Navy does business because they needed the cut blocking, obviously, to overcome a dearth, I would say. I, I wouldn't say a, a total lack thereof of athletic talent, but not necessarily the same people matched up against guys on the other side against Notre Dame. So what, do, what can you do in order to use your speed to get those outside angles to run the triple option? You cut block. Well, if you can't do it anymore and people's knees get saved, I guess I'm okay. Chris, thoughts before we go out? I thought they went too far, to, to be quite honest with you. I, I mean, I, I thought the threat or the risk was was overblown. I mean, you know, on any play in, you know, in any game you can get rolled on and you can hurt yourself. But, you know, I kind of agree with what Coach Johnson said in the article. Anecdotally, I don't remember there being more injuries in a Navy game or an Army game or an Air Force game as a result of the blocks. So, like I said, I, I think it was something that, um, the larger teams complained about the NCAA, listened to them, and uh, I think the pendulum swung too far. Wags, final thoughts? Well, just looking forward to the weekend that Army-Navy rugby will be telling because Army's been varsity for far longer than Navy and had a head start, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, th this is the best Navy rugby team I've seen. Uh, they are just so loaded, and they've been on a roll. I, I really hope they can take down Army and show Army we are here, baby. We're varsity and we're coming at you. Yeah, I agree. And to be very frank, we need to get some stars. You know, the cross country helped us out big. Um, and, and we know that we're going to get the stars in the pool. Um, but some of these are, are really, really big now, uh, particularly after the lack of success as compared to last year. You know, we're pretty spoiled around the Sing Second Sports podcast. We're expecting 20 and four years every year in the star competition. It's just not going to be that way, but we'll keep rooting. Hey, awesome podcast today for Bill Wagner and Chris Cervello. Many thanks to Mike Heary and Ed Bilderback for being our guests. We'll see you next week. Please, please, please listen to the Navy football podcast with Keenan, EK, and Wags, and subscribe to Wags's content on the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun newspapers. It's quite frankly, the best coverage of Navy sports that you'll get. We will see you next week. This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast. We're out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.